Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Um, I, just to give you a bit of a brief background around myself, I have been in uh, journalism uh, in a professional capacity for more than 15 years now. Um, and if I include my student experience in, in that, which was really a crash course in it, uh, it's about 17 years. I started off as an overnight news anchor, and since then I've done field reporting. Uh, I have done um, uh, daytime bulletin editing and presenting. Uh, I have been a stand-in on talk shows uh, on Talk Radio 702 here in Joburg. Uh, and I have most recently been in the newsroom management side of things uh, for the last seven or eight years. Uh, I'm currently more in an entrepreneurial space, doing lots of journalism training uh, with journalists around Africa and also seeing what else there might be on offer in the world of news that is not strictly radio. And today I'm going to be presenting a masterclass for you. Um, but I want to start off with something that might have nothing to do with journalism when you look at it for the first time. Um, before I get to that, however, I just want to talk about the, the landscape of journalism that we're seeing at the moment. Because I don't know about you, but whenever I pick up my phone or turn on the radio or interface with news in any way at the moment, I feel a bit like this. I feel like I am being absolutely bombarded with information. It is coming at me at 100 miles an hour like standing in front of a fire hose and I can't take a sip of water. I almost, in fact, feel like I'm going thirsty because I just can't drink in everything. So how do we help people sip from the fire hose? That, to me, is one of the big questions in radio news at the moment. Because we live in an era of information overload. There's so much stuff out there that we simply can't get our hands around it. We can't hope to sift through it all. And as a result, journalism's role is changing. And we'll get to this in, in uh, one of the modules that we're doing a little later. But just for now, remember that instead of just publishers of information, we're now also curators and aggregators. We use our training and our expertise to amplify valuable news, so news sought in radio is exceptionally important very often. If you're lucky, you have three and a half minutes. Sometimes these days on music radio stations, certainly in South Africa, you have 90 seconds. What do you do with 90 seconds? You focus on one thing probably, or you make sure that your message is as brief as possible. Uh, oh, sorry. I don't know what's happened there. There we go. So we sought, interpret, and lend credibility to news as radio journalists. Let's have a look quickly at journalism's key roles in this new digital world of ours, because 30 years ago, radio had an unassailable lead, didn't it? We could sit back and relax because we could get news on air and out to the public faster than anyone else. Social media, 24-hour TV news stations, those have changed the game. So what does radio do now? And what does journalism do now in this new digital role, in this new digital world? Number one remains verifying facts. We remain investigators and truth seekers. And we function as fact checkers who hold stories up to the light of credibility. So rather than going out with boots on the ground all the time now, 
Sometimes the news comes to us, but it's up to us to make sure that it's news and not propaganda. Vetting sources, another crucial role for journalists in a digital age. The vetting of authentic surf, uh, sources happens by selecting experts to interview and seek out the most relevant data. And the third key role that a journalist has now is aggregating and curating. We collect and curate the day's headlines for republication and broadcast, and we act as gatekeepers, selecting which stories to include. Again, in radio, this is an incredibly important function that we serve, because we have to make the decision around what news people get to listen to, especially in rural areas, especially in far-flung places, people don't have access to anything other than a radio. And so there's an enormous um, responsibility that we bear to make sure that we are giving people news that they need, news that they want, and news that ultimately is going to help them make better choices in their lives. So, with that in mind, today I'm going to present to you 11 rules for radio journalism in the 21st century. Um, I wanted there to be 21 because it had a nice ring to it, but in the interests of time and brevity as a radio journalist, I was able to sift through uh, all of the noise and bring it down to 11. So, let's hope we get through all of them. Rule number one. As I said, our first rule has nothing to do with journalism. What well, does, actually? Build a chair that you want to sit on. What do I mean by this? Radio journalism and radio news crafting is, is just that, it's a craft. It's like making a chair. Chairs come in many shapes, forms, and sizes, but they all have to perform certain basic uh, functions. They have to be sturdy. You have to be able to sit on them. You don't want to fall off them. Generally, they have to be comfortable or at least rather easy to use. Now, sometimes chairs don't always do what they're supposed to. Like this chair. Doesn't work, does it? In radio news terms, this chair might be a story that has no context. That one, there might be a factual error. Maybe over here, we've left out some crucial detail that changes the story. Perhaps we've, I don't know, overinflated some numbers. Or maybe at the end of the day, we've just put something completely wrong on the air that makes no sense. And this happens. Then you get other types of chairs. That's a pretty good chair. Sturdy, comfortable. You can sit on it. It's got defined parameters, and it's easily replicable. But the problem is, if you do it again, and 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 again, it gets boring. And this, to me, is a real problem in radio news in South Africa at the moment. That we've found a template. The template works. It's safe. It's easy to replicate and we just keep doing it again and again and again. It works, but it's boring. No one's going to want to buy this chair. And then 
we get to the other end of the scale. A chair like this. In radio news terms, maybe it's a story with more than one strong voice in it. Maybe it's a change in tone, a faster pace. Maybe it's sound bites starting and ending your report instead of just having your typical formulaic four lines, sound clip, outline, and you're done. Maybe it's got an edge to it, like this one. Maybe it really focuses in on a personal story. Maybe it really cares or makes you care about one person. Or maybe it's just weird. And sometimes that's also okay. Who would build a, a chair like this? But there's a market for it. And we're going to be far more interested in looking at this chair than examining the boring old one from the, from the previous uh, slide. So, crafting great stories is really what we want to be able to do. And, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, that volume might be a bit loud, but bear with me. Uh, so what I want to do is play you, first and foremost, a, uh, a news bulletin from Eyewitness News, which is where I worked for 15 years. Um, this was a bulletin from our last local government elections. Uh, and I want to play it to you because it has some good elements and it has some bad elements to it. So, let's take a listen. This, this is Eyewitness News. Gauteng still too close to call. We go live to the National Results Centre in the capital for the latest numbers and a devastating fire claims five lives in the south of Joburg. Good afternoon. EWN, elections in focus. At the Eyewitness News Desk in Johannesburg, I'm Tara Penny. And I'm Camilla Bath at the Eyewitness News Desk at the National Results Centre in Tswane. Good afternoon. Let's start with the results coming in in Gauteng after yesterday's local government elections. It's neck and neck in both Johannesburg and Tswane this evening, 22 hours after vote counting began in the polls. Just over half the vote counting process is now complete in both metros, so the results are nowhere near final yet. Stephen Curtis joins us live monitoring those figures. Stephen, this really is a very close race at the moment. Well, Camilla, the answer to Joburg, Tswane and everything is 42 this hour in Tswane and Joburg. The ANC and the DA in both metros are on 42%. This is an election at the moment where the decimal points matter. In Swane, 50% of the vote counted. The ANC, 42.87%. The DA, 42.72%. In Joburg, 40% of the vote counted. The DA, 42.09%. The ANC, 42.02%. Those numbers are going to have to change at some point. In Joburg, the EFF is on 10.09%. It's on 10.5%. In Tswane at the moment, it looks more and more likely that there could be some king-making in the EFF's future. In Nelson Mandela Bay at the moment, 85% of the vote counted there. The DA started to slip below the 50% mark in Nelson Mandela Bay in just the last hour or so at 49.49%. But the ANC has not been above the 40% mark in some time. It's now on 39.25% of the vote. The EFF there, 4.87%. 
That's Stephen Curtis with the latest on the numbers coming into the elections hub here. Now, Clement Magnatelle is live on the results floor this afternoon. It's really getting very busy as well. Some high-profile names arriving in the last few hours. Clement, you've been speaking to ANC chair Baleka Mbete. She says she's happy with the preliminary results. Indeed, uh, Camilla is still buzzing here on the results center's floor. When Baleka Mbete actually arrived here, um, she was taken to the party's desk and she was briefed on how the party is doing. And with around 80% of votes counted nationally so far, the ANC is leading in many areas around the country. And Mbete says this is music to her ears. Well, it's still uh, not a complete picture. So we really uh, must limit our remarks on what it says to us. But on the whole, the ANC has done very well. And we're not surprised because I think we put up a very good fight. Uh, and I think on the whole, South Africans uh, conducted themselves very well. Camilla Mbete has joined many party leaders here who are scratching their heads and crunching numbers as they trickle in. That's Clement Magnatella live from the floor here. And as counting continues, government has released a statement this afternoon saying the world's eyes are firmly on this elections hub in Tswane. It says the process brings to the fore the credibility of the IEC, which remains one of South Africa's most trusted institutions. Government says it's confident all objections raised with the commission are being addressed and the poll results will soon be certified. That's it from the IEC's National Results Centre in Tswane at the moment. Okay. So this was uh, a radio news bulletin live from the Elections Results Centre in Tswane, as you heard, during the local government elections. Uh, what do we think went well in this bulletin? What do we remember from this bulletin? Okay. So insight. Cool. What else? Anything that stuck out to you? What do you remember? What, what's, the, what's the one thing that you remember, perhaps, from this broadcast? Go for it. Okay. You have... One more. Go for it. It sounded very well prepared. It sounded like okay. everybody knew what they were supposed to do. It just sounded seamless. Right. Okay. That's not always the case, by the way, when it comes to that sort of live radio. <laughs> so you have one to add. It just seemed to be too long. Yeah. This is, yes. This is where I was... Yeah. So, so uh, I said in the beginning that there were things that were done right in this, uh, in this uh, piece of audio and things that were done wrong, and that is absolutely one of them. Anything else that we picked up that we didn't like? Yeah? Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. Yes, sir. Yes. 
Sure, in that bulletin, yes. It's, it's a continuous coverage, obviously, so you're going to have different voices in different bulletins. Being Radio News, we can't, uh, we can't include every voice in every bulletin, but absolutely we must ensure that we are balancing the content and making sure uh, that, we are that we are reflecting a diversity of views and that we are giving fair coverage to different political parties. Absolutely. The other thing that I picked up uh, even though I was part of this broadcast uh, three years ago, listening to it in the back, uh, listening to it again in hindsight, is I, I picked up at least three cliches that I really didn't like. All eyes on. And they were, uh, it was just, it was a bit overdone. So, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's take, let's take a look at what it does take to craft a great story. Some key points to remember. First and foremost, your top line is everything. In radio, we only have one chance to hook our listener. So we need to make sure that we do that effectively. This is your one chance. Your top line is everything. It has to be engaging, it has to be easy to understand, it has to include all the relevant information that someone needs. My rule of thumb is your top line needs to be interesting to someone waking up out of, the, out of a coma for the last seven years. It needs to be that strong. And not just your lead story, every single story. I can't emphasize this enough. Your top line is everything. Number two, when you are writing... For radio, you have to decide your genre, and you have to write the movie trailer. I'm sure we all remember when ETV first started, we had those amazing promos, tonight on E! Think about that when you are writing your top line. So, what would we say the State Capture Commission is as a movie genre? A political thriller, right? The major car crash on a highway that kills 13 people, what is that? Action, tragedy, drama. Decide what your genre is and write the movie trailer as your top line. Number three, structure is important, but there's no right structure. And this goes back to the chairs that I was showing you. We all think that we want that chair that's easily replicable and that we want to write the right structure. So I'm sure you've heard of the three acts. You have a beginning and a middle and an end. It's the problem, it's the conflict, and it's the solution. Radio news, by and large, can function like that very easily, but it doesn't have to. And we're going to listen to some examples of that. Radio news is about ideas, not facts and figures. And that's why I'm so glad that we talked about those numbers that were coming at you during that radio news broadcast. Because you can feel, listening to it, that you can't keep track. It's easy in a newspaper article to go back and check things. And you can represent it visually. And you can show people how easy... You know, you can show people exactly what they're dealing with. But in radio, ideas are key. 
Eskew obfuscation. It's one of my favorite sayings when it comes to radio. Simply avoid writing things too complicated. Just keep it simple. This is a, an exercise that I go over time and time again, even with the most senior journalists, the most seasoned journalists, because we get stuck in jargon and we get stuck in the details and we keep wanting to include everything. And we can't. We simply can't. We need to make things easily understandable. And that's why we write things like we'd say things. If I were having coffee with my aunt, would I ever say to them, oh, by the way, last night a suspect broke into a home in Bedford View, east of Johannesburg, and a shootout ensued, and one person is now critical in hospital. No, you'd never, ever say that. By the way, Auntie Dingle, I don't know. Uh, by the way, last night a home was broken into in Bedford View. The, the, uh, the burglar shot at the homeowner, and the homeowner was badly injured or whatever it might be. Write it like you'd say it. Radio is about the now. It's not about what happened yesterday. It's not about what happened, what's happening tomorrow. Radio is about the now. We always use an active voice. One of my pet hates in radio, and I hear it a lot on South African radio, is, and this is an overdone example, but the sky is green. So says the Institute for a Green Sky. It's, it doesn't work on radio. Because what's your first contact with the story? The fact that the sky is green. But it's not a fact. It's an opinion. So we cannot just state stuff up front and then post-attribute. You always want to pre-attribute in radio. Void cliches crossed out like the plague. <laughs> Clichés are so easy to, to get stuck, yeah, the loop that you get stuck into in radio news. Just avoid it. If I hear it was a sea of red at an EFF march one more time, I don't know. I'll start seeing red. My last advice on crafting great stories is endings are as important as beginnings. So we say the top line is everything, but the way you round out a piece is just as important. You can use it for analysis. You can use it for context. You can use it as a throw forward. You can use it as a summation. But remember to put as much into your ending as you do into your beginning. Rule number two, play to your strengths. Before we uh, get stuck into this, there's something else that I want us to listen to. Uh, if you haven't heard this podcast before, it's incredible. It's called uh, Rough Translation by NPR in the US, and I think they're doing some of the finest audio podcasting and journalism reportage in the world at the moment. Uh, this one is called Om Alone in India, and we'll just listen to the first two minutes of it. Welcome to the 15th Annual Solstice in Times Square, Mind Over Madness Yoga, presented by Aaron. So we are in Times Square on summer solstice, 
It's International Yoga Day. We are like staring at all the giant moving billboards. There's Fiji water, there's Dunkin' Donuts, there's Budweiser beer. And just below all of those ads, there are four or 500 people. On aquamarine mats in, breathing in. downward facing dog. Breathing out. Remember that deep breath is what makes yoga yoga. Oh my god, this is so cool. I saw it on TV and ran just to see it. Uh, that's Jenna Frazier. She just happened to be passing by. We're looking at different shapes. We're looking at different sizes. We're looking at different ages. We're looking at different colors. And there's a lot of butts. Like big butts, little butts, wide butts, fat butts. I want to go change my clothes and go in the back. There is something about this scene that feels very international in the kind of peace and love sense of the word. Yes. On this same day, there is yoga on the Champs-Élysées, on the Great Wall of China. There are Warrior One poses happening in Rome, and Tadasana's happening in New Zealand, New Mexico, even Antarctica. The longest day of the year in the summer solstice. Antarctica on the summer solstice. A dark day of yoga. Oh my gosh, look, they're all linking arms and leaning over. There's like a human yoga chain. A human yoga chain. But... There's actually something going on here, specifically here. For some people, looking out at this international sea of butts in the air, it's terrifying. And it's not because of the whole Times Square spectacle. I know I work for the brand, and so I'm kind of biased. It's not the Budweiser beer ads or the commercialization of this practice. Airy yoga clothes are bomb. They're awesome. I am just back from India, the birthplace of yoga. And to some people in India, International Yoga Day is a weapon. It is promoting a culture, particular kind of a culture. Okay, so that's just the first three minutes. And to me, there's a lot going right there. What did we enjoy about that? I heard a couple of chuckles. Did you enjoy listening to that? Who's got an image of a whole bunch of different sized butts in their mind right now? That sort of storytelling, that vivid, visceral sort of storytelling, is what radio is made for. So, I'm going to skip over the discussion only because I'm really worried about time and I want to get through a few things. But I want to talk about a few strengths of audio. Number one is it's enveloping. You can take it anywhere. You can travel with it. It sits inside your head. Number two is it's personal and it's intimate. It is the most personal medium. We invite it into our homes. We invite it into our cars. And if we're not using that, we're not using the medium properly. Audio provokes the imagination. We help people listening to us create images in their minds. The human yoga train, the butts in the air, Times Square, you can imagine it with just a few sound bites, some deaf descriptive work, and a little bit of ambient sound, suddenly you feel like you're there. So you're co-creating images with your listeners. Recording is non-invasive. We've seen this time and time again. People are scared to talk to a TV camera, but they're quite happy to be recorded by a microphone. A, because it's not this big giant thing staring in your face, and B, because it affords them a feeling of anonymity. Audio is surprising. You never know what's around the corner. When you're reading uh, a, a newspaper article, 
you are um, very aware of where you are in the story. You can see that it's this long and you're now a third of the way through. Audio doesn't give you that sort of thing. Audio just throws up at you whatever is coming. You have no idea what it is. Sound conveys emotion and ideas way better than facts and figures. It's something we chatted about uh, with regards to the election sound clip that we listened to earlier. And it's absolutely one of the keys to crafting a radio news story. Oh. Right. Rule number three. Be a, be a hunter, not a gatherer. What do I mean by this? Too often... We are operating as gatherers when we, when we are doing radio journalism, or any journalism, quite frankly. We arrive at a scene, we set up, we kind of hover about, we see what's going on, and we pick up the things that we see. We almost wait for the news to come to us. Worse still, we stay in the office, and we wait for news to pop on a website or a social media channel, and we just curate that and add it to our bulletins. Being a hunter is something different. Going out and hunting for the story. So, hunting for news. Number one, first rule of hunting for news, plan ahead. Fantasize about your perfect story. If you know you're going out in a story, or if you're the editor who's going to be commissioning that story, fantasize about the perfect story. What would it sound like? What tone would it be? Who would you speak to? What would they say? Plan ahead and fantasize, and then go out and find it. Number two is do your homework. Know your story and what you're after. I know that this is sometimes not always possible in radio news because it moves so fast. But it is invaluable to have an idea beforehand of what you're dealing with, what the issues are, and how you are better going to cover it. Number three is figure out a plan B. So you've got this beautiful idea in your head, this fantasy news story. Chances are some or all of it is not going to work out. So always cover your bases. Make sure that you have a plan B, people to speak to, maybe some interviews already in the bag before you even go out to a particular story. Number four, look for your story's hero. And by hero, I don't mean the storybook hero. I mean the one person that you're going to build your story around. It's an incredibly powerful technique in radio. You find someone energetic and expressive. No one wants to listen to someone who talks like this over and over again. They might have an amazing story, but it dies. It dies because they can't express it properly. So our trick as radio journalists and our mission is to find people who speak energetically, expressively, passionately about what they do, what they know, or what they've seen. Tip number five is do great interviews. It's a bit of an, an easy one, isn't it? Of course. Ah, do great interviews. Listen to what people say. It's amazing how many journalists will go to a scene and have a set list of questions and just tune out. They'll ask the question, the person will be talking, and they'll tune out. The very best interviews are always the ones where you listen. Listen and try to get into the head of the person you're speaking to so that you can 
tease out the story from them. Take cues from what they're saying and run with those. Have your set questions, absolutely, but remember that your job is to pull out those nuggets that people don't always give. Last bit on hunting is a question. Are we hunting antelope or are we hunting field mice? What do I mean by this? Lions can hunt field mice all day long. Takes a lot of energy, right? Prowling around the savannah, jumping on a mouse here, jumping on a mouse there. They're wasting far more energy than they're actually consuming. And this is as it goes with radio news. We spend all our time jumping on the field mice. Oh, there's been a car crash over there. Let's grab that. Oh, someone said something over there. Let's grab that. Why? Because we're feeding the news beast and we know it's always hungry. So you want instead to hunt an antelope. Lions lie about all day. They're laziest things you could hope to see. And then they jump into action. And they hunt, and they kill, and that's enough to last them for days. And you can do the same with radio news. You can spend days covering the same topic as long as you do it properly. So, as newsrooms in South Africa, we have a responsibility to hunt those antelopes instead of just always jumping on the field mice. Rule number four is a simple one, and it's what my editor always used to say to me. Just go! Stop dilly-dallying. Stop asking whether it's worth going to a scene or not. Just go. Why? Because you will always get a better story when you're there. And once you're on the scene, you have a responsibility to take your listeners there ASAP. Be it by, via a live crossing, be it via tweets, be it via anything you can think of. Get your listeners there as soon as possible. Show, don't tell. It's one of the simplest rules in the book, and yet we keep forgetting it. Don't tell me it's a beautiful sunset. Tell me about the colors in the sky. Tell me about the pink bands. Tell me about the purple edges and the clouds floating by. Tell me about the last dying rays of the sun. Don't tell me it's a beautiful sun sunset. Keep your head down and your microphone up. And always make sure it's rolling. You have to keep in constant contact with your editors. Let them know where you are and what you're doing. If you're an editor, you have to keep in constant contact with your field reporter. Find out where they are and what they're doing. Think about angles as you go. Those top lines. Remember that you're going to need, if you're doing rolling news coverage, on average per story, you're going to need five or six angles. You're going to need an angle for when the story first starts. You're going to need two more angles through the day. You're going to need an angle for prime time in the afternoon. And then you're going to need a morning angle. Minimum. So write down those angles as you go. Plan for the AM. My last tip on this, uh, on this point is time codes, time codes, time codes. They save you unbelievable amounts of time and effort. And there are a bunch of apps that I'll, I'll talk you through later that can simplify the process even further in this new wonderful digital age of ours. Rule number five, be a human, not the voice of God. This isn't a quick exercise. 
I want you to guess the year. This is an excerpt from a BBC news report. And I want you to try and think to yourself, is it from two years ago? Is it from 20 years ago? Is it from five years ago? Is it from 40 years ago? Have a listen and let me know what you think. The skirmishing only ended some months later when the Russians held out an olive branch. This is the first major incident since then. It comes 11 days after the Chinese leadership told Britain's defence chief, Sir Neil Cameron, how weak they were along the Soviet border, while he replied that Britain and China had a common enemy in Moscow. The real test of the seriousness of the clash will be the effect it has on the peace talks between the Russians and the Chinese about their border dispute, which have dragged on fruitlessly ever since 1969, and which only resumed a fortnight ago. Okay, so don't worry about the content, worry about the sound of that. How old do we think that was? Quite old. Ten years? We have a ten. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a ten. Do we have a twenty? Do we have a five? <laughs> Last year. Five years. Okay. 1978 is the answer. Think about that. There are people in this room who thought this could be five years old and one year old. It means we haven't changed the way that we are reporting news in 40 years. Think about that. And that is why I say, as much as the voice of God style of news, which is someone delivering edicts from above, listen to me, I shall tell you what is going on, as much as that has worked in the past, it's no longer the way that people want to hear news. So we have to become conversational in our news bulletins as well as in our chat shows. So think of someone who's close to you, whom you respect, but whom you can also speak with freely and perhaps share a joke. And then my tip is write for that person. Don't use stiff formal language or jargon Write as you would say it. Take a step back. Ask yourself what makes the story important and how you would convey that in an ordinary conversation. A shootout ensued. No, there was a shootout. It really is that simple. Make sure your story's reason for being comes across, even when writing short reports. Why should I care? Why should my listener care? Always make sure that that is explained in your radio news report. Never make light of an inappropriate topic. And I always include this because sometimes we err too far the other side and we use relaxed conversational ch tones and words for stories that are very, very heavy. Each word and phrase must be carefully thought out. Okay, rule number six I'm going to leave until after the break. Because right now, I want to find out if you have any questions so far. Um, so I'll hand over to our moderator and do you let me know. Sure. I don't think the mic can reach far enough, but I, it's a small room, so I'm sure you can project. Uh, but we have five minutes for question and answers, and this is just part one. So there definitely is a part two after a 15-minute break. Any questions for the first five topics?
So the, 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 the simple answer there, using a simple example, is the Sky is Green Institute claims that the sky is green. But that's also quite boring. And using that example further, I would say that it's also very important to remember that when you're told the sky is green and it's clearly not green, your role as a journalist is to refute this. So maybe you could expand your top line to say, despite mounds of evidence to the contrary, the Sky is Green Institute continues to claim the sky is in fact green. So it's really about the phrasing and the writing. Pre-attribution is key, but also making sure that you are fulfilling your role as a truth teller with zero ambiguity. You never want your uh, listener to tune in and question what you are trying to tell them. So I'm told to come to the front because this is being recorded. So if you can speak through the mic so that it can be heard. <laughs> in terms of the sky is green, I would much prefer the sky is green institute to tell me that. And then you can talk about it. I'm concerned that essentially in radio, we don't, we don't have enough people talking to us other than the listener, as other than the presenter. Very, very fair point. I, I, think, uh, I think as journalists, we become lazy. And we, it's easier to write it ourselves. Take it off some wire copy or pick it up off a press release. That's journalism, not journalism. So I agree with you, you'd far rather hear it. But we need to start the story somehow. And sometimes starting story with audio, by the way, uh, can work exceptionally well. Uh, there was a news bulletin that will always stick in my mind from several years ago uh, when Colin Powell uh, was still looming large in the US government. Uh, and the newsreader said, good afternoon, I'm XYZ, and this is a very angry Colin Powell. Play the news clip. And that, to me, is theater of the mind. That's the magic of radio. It works. Then you can go back and explain why he's angry and what he's angry about. But in that moment, you grip your listener. Um, thank you. Um, my name is Karabo uh, from Skukune FM in Limpopo. Um, we have this challenge. I think um, some of my colleagues here from the community media can attest to it because um, now we have this great tips of how to write a story on how to interact. But the main issue that we have in our, in our community radio station is that we have people that were placed there under the news department, but they don't have those qualities or the qualifications. So it's, it, it gets harder for us to show them on, you know, like the journalism, you know, like the journalism route. So then I, I, I mean, like you, what do you think like we should do to just, you know, get them climaxed to, to, to the journalism field? Thanks. Oh, so this is a perennial problem. It's a very good question. It's a perennial problem, and that is the underskilling of news staff in newsrooms. Very often you're dealing with a very, very junior staff who haven't even gone to journalism school and don't necessarily know the basics of journalism. Um, and while it's a hugely complex task, I think for me the most important thing to do in situations like that is to identify mentors Mentorship programs 
in any newsroom, and specifically, I think, radio newsrooms, can be hugely helpful. You find someone who knows what they're doing. You pair that person up with your younger recruit. You formalize the relationship, and you make sure that there's a transferal of skills because we do very often deal with this increasing juniorization in newsrooms. Um, and there's no substitute for experience. I can't give you a textbook and say, give this textbook to your people, make sure that they can tick all the boxes, and then they will be excellent radio news journalists. It's a craft. It's, it's something that you need to learn over years. You can only learn it from the people with experience. So if you are a journalist yourself and you don't have a mentor, find one. If you are running a station uh, or managing a newsroom, institute a mentorship program. Make sure that people are getting the support and the advice that they need. Thank you so much, Camilla. Your brain is insane. We're going to leave it there for Q&A for